our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your hosts, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Well, it has been a very long time since I've said that. Hi, Sim. How are you? Hello, Sonia. I am so excited to be here. It's another season together. Four long months, eh? We well, I kind of messed up. We don't laugh at me. We like ended our last season in November. We were like, yeah, we'll take a summer break. We'll be back early next year. Let's start in March or Feb. Didn't realize that was four months. And so we had a couple of people reach out and be like, did the podcast stop? And we were like, no, what do you mean? And they were like, well, it was November. And we were like, that's right. That That is a long time. So we apologize for holding you away from us for so long. You probably deserved a break from our bickering. So maybe it was for the best, but we're back. We're ready to get into it. Before we begin, I do just want to sort of pay respects to what's going on in the world and acknowledge it because it feels, I guess, wrong to not even, you know, kind of speak about it with what's going on with Ukraine and the fact that it's literally being invaded and is in war with Russia. I think we speak from a very privileged position to like have the conversations that we're going to have today and the week after when, I don't know, you know, people around the world are kind of going through some of the most horrific experiences of their life. So, you know, just want to put a big disclaimer out there that that does not, you know, surpass us and it's really keeping our hearts heavy it would be insensitive to continue the episode or continue the season without acknowledging what's happening out there in the world we'll leave some links where you can donate if you have the means to to some great organizations that are helping ukraine out in the show notes so be sure to check that out if you can there's some really great organizations down there so i guess Moving to today's topic, we actually wanted to cover something that we haven't talked about before on the podcast, which is money mindset and growth. And the idea of how your money mindset and sort of the beliefs you may have growing up and the beliefs you have now can affect where you're going and sort of, it's, I guess it's a good way to unpack everything. It's almost like a, I was going to say like an 
audio journal that we're going to go through. So to join us today to have this conversation, we thought it would be good to have an extra voice just because I feel like people might kind of have a bit of an idea of like what our money mindsets are. So it was good to hear from a third person. And oh my God, we had such an amazing guest. We had Anna, who is head of product and community from Perla. First of all, thank you so much for joining us. I think it's such an honor to have you here, have you with us. And we're really excited to do our very first episode with you. I'm so excited to be here, especially for the first episode of the season. So what an honor. Thank you. Well, I just wanted to start off by saying, you know, with money mindset, that really is like a, a really important part of an investor's journey. And so we thought first episode of the season, let's start off with breaking that down essentially. Before we get into any of that, do you mind just, you know, letting our listeners know who you are and kind of your role within the investing world? Perfect. So my name is Anna. I'm a Canadian living in Wurundjeri land in Australia, also known as Melbourne. I've always been interested in personal finance and it was a few years ago, I guess now that I started kind of randomly blogging and it just so happened that I got connected with a company called Perler, which is a platform platform that focuses on wealth management and long-term investing and growth. And as a product manager, I got talking to them and they were looking for someone to work in product. And I was so fortunate to be able to blend my love of product management, technology, fintech, and finance and be in a space that I am currently now. So that's kind of how I got connected within the financial world. Did you ever expect yourself to be here growing up? Did you see yourself being in the investing world? Not really. So I was an art kid and a sports kid. So I, I, I've i come from two different backgrounds of loving to paint and draw and also being very athletic. But um, I did come from an immigrant family that immigrated from Croatia to Canada, and they were very frugal. And so I learned a lot of that frugality or that mindset around um, the idea of saving quite a bit. But investing was never a part of that. And so if someone said to me, you'd be working in the fintech space or in finance, I would have laughed at them because I really thought that I was going to, you know, run a gallery or <laughs> do something of that sort. And, you know, I've, I've, I've dabbled in, in both art and sports in a lot of different ways, but um, the financial space is so fascinating. And um, it really is a testament that anyone can be in that space and learn investing, even if you're into the arts. I think um, it's so interesting that you bring up like, you know, coming from an immigrant family who moved from Croatia to Canada and learning about frugality and saving your money. How do you think being brought up that way impacted your relationship with money? Like, did you guys ever sit down and talk about finances as you were growing up or was it kind of like a hush-hush situation and you had to learn everything yourself? That's a good question. It was a little bit of both. There were some things that weren't talked about. You know, we didn't talk about how much money our household had or anything of that. I, you know, I wasn't supposed to talk about that to other people. So there were things that weren't talked about, but because 
because my my father specifically, when he went to Canada, his whole goal was about purchasing a house. So he he worked hard labor in order to buy his first house and then rented it with all his friends, which now we you know refer to as house hacking. But that was just it was so odd that he did that because his friends bought cars and so forth. This is in the seventies and or sixties even. So it, it was a bit of a blur between both of those. This idea of frugality. My my dad used to always say things like it's not how much you make, it's how much you save. So property was something that we talked about, but investing was not. Uh, So that was something I had to learn in my later years. Mm. And how did you get into it? Was it like a conversation with friends the first time you heard about investing in the stock market and you're like, hmm. Well, investing, I think when I was younger, because I'm in my late late 30s now, was very much, you know, gambling and risky, you know. My, my dad always referred to it as losing money in the, in the stock market, you know. Um, and it was a scary thing. But similarly to, I think, New Zealand and Australia, Canada had a retirement scheme. And I mean, the States has it as well, which was called a registration retirement savings plan. And, you know, you were supposed to put your money aside there. And so I thought, hey, I'll, I'll do that. But I didn't know what it did. You know, it was quite conservative. I was paying 2% fees. And I just did that for years and years. What actually got me into investing is that I actually, when I moved to Australia, that I ended up just having more money. I just ended up saving more money and I didn't know what to do with it. And that was, I didn't want to buy a property because I wasn't a permanent resident of Australia yet. And I I didn't know what to do with it. And so investing was was a rabbit hole that I went down very, very, very hard and fast and uh, came across the FIRE community, Financial Independence Retire Early, and just became obsessed with this concept that I didn't even know existed. I have a question for you. Did you find it hard to jump over that hurdle growing up and thinking, you know, it's hard to invest and and kind of how you mentioned the idea of it being like gambling because that's something we all you know get told and we all kind of think of it in terms of money mindset and money growth like what did you need to tell yourself to kind of get past that yeah the gambling part was quite scary (laughs) and thinking about losing your money i already had some of those baselines of that money mindset right like it was live below your means my my dad was always like put money aside so i already had some skills in terms of being able to save and scroll away money and a lot of that came down to i think values for me and that was something i think i learned from my parents you know you spend money on what you value and for us it was visiting family in croatia so i we didn't have nice cars and we didn't have nice, like, you know, we had clothes, but not any crazy brand names. But so it came down to values for me. And and that was something that I think I grew with over time, thinking about what are my actual values and what are my whys. For a very long time, or especially in my 20s, it was travel. Travel was my why for my mindset, you know, in terms of money. It's like I'm saving money for travel. And then when it came to investing, that shifted for me because you can scroll away money aside for, for travel, but it's about the long term when it came to investing. And that was the mentality or the idea that I kept hearing in books and podcasts, whatever I was consuming for long term. And so I thought, what is that long term goal and what is my why there? And the long term goal for me was to, to do the things that I love, you know, be able to take a longer time off, a shorter retirement and travel maybe somewhere or spend a longer time somewhere. So a lot of that stemmed from that why for me in terms of how I thought about my relationship with money, both when I was younger and, and when I started investing later. 
I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that because we sort of associate our why with things that are like, you know, I need to save for my house or I need to save for retirement. And it's just almost refreshing to kind of hear a perspective of someone saying, well, you know what, I also want to enjoy the present moment or like the near present future. And a lot of people that listen to us kind of ask, you know, how do I get out of that mindset of it's all just money for the future? What about current me? Like, what would you say to them? Oh, yes. I think that you hear that quite a bit, especially in that fire community about being obsessed with retiring early. And really, it's like we have this one life. And and if we're not able to enjoy it along the way, you know, and you're just waiting for an end date, how are you actually going to enjoy your life? You really have to think about that. So for me, it really was about those traveling. And in Canada, you know, you get two weeks holiday, you don't get a month the way you do in Australia. And so I would, you know, make sure that when I would time my holiday, that I would be able to have a long weekend in there or whatever it was and get the most out of it. So it really came down to thinking about what do I really value and how do I incorporate that? I'm going to tangent a little bit on a story, but I was I really wanted to go to India and I went to India for my 29th birthday and I met a woman there who was living out of the van for almost 2 years and she was driving around India. I'm like you're living my life. I'm like I want your life. Like how cool is that to be able to like take 2 years and you're living in in a different country and exploring and adventuring. And she's like, "Well, you can do it too." It's like, "No, nah, I can't." You know, I've 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 got a job, I've got this. She's like, "You're just making excuses. You don't want it bad enough." And I sat there and I really thought I was like, "What do I want bad enough?" And I'm and I was like, "I really do want to take a year off and go travel somewhere." And I had friends who were living in Australia at the time and I said I said to this this woman that I met, um I said, "In 1 year, I'm going to go to Australia. And she's like, all right, well, you let me know. I'm like, I'm going to do it. And she, you know, (laughs) random person you meet at a hostel. Of course, of course, she's going to do it. Um, And sure enough, on my 30th birthday, I bought a plane ticket and I flew to Australia and and my whole life changed. I've, I've been living here since. But it was just one of those things where I had to really dive deep into like, what do I want for myself and what kind of life do I want to live? Because I can wait until retirement or early retirement. But if I don't do it now, that's when that regret comes when you look back and you're and you're like you know i didn't really dive deep into what my values are and what kind of life i want to live and so i would definitely say that that's a huge part of that money mindset of why are you saving for retirement why are you saving for a house why are you saving for these things I guess part of people on their money mindset journey is like unpacking that fear. So if you are going to sit down with your finances and stuff, that scares a lot of people being upfront with their money about what they're spending their money on. But you're right. Like if you spend like an hour reflecting on what you value and just unpacking that, it could, it just adds more of a powerful why when you're in a relationship with your money and when you're investing and when you're saving. Um, with that purpose. Oh, exactly. I couldn't mm-hmm. agree with you more. I think especially if you come from a family that potentially didn't have a lot of money or was in debt, your relationship with money is very, very different than someone who you know paid for your education and, and bought you a car. Th- those two relationships are so different. And there's a lot of unpacking you have to do, whether you come from a privileged background or, 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 or less so. I mean, I know for myself, there's there's a lot of privilege that comes from my background, even though my parents were immigrants, you know, like my my father got into property and that was that was something that he understood was would get you ahead. And so I also understand the privilege that comes into that. And there's a lot of unpacking that I have to do as an individual to realize that where I got in my life also stems down 
from some of those items as well, right? For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone, and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach, and enhanced customer experience. It's a win-win-win. To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. That is so true. Like in terms of the privilege idea and kind of understanding like where your family might fit into it, because I remember growing up and kind of thinking that, you know, hard work was on me. If I wanted to have a certain kind of lifestyle, it was my choice. And if I worked hard, I could do it. And if I didn't work hard, you know, it wasn't going to happen. And it wasn't until I you know, got a little bit older and realized that to be able to say that, to be able to say, I got to where I am because of my hard work also means that there's a certain level of privilege to even, you know, be there because there are people out there that can work very hard, can put in all the hours, can save as diligently as they can, but without the foundations that, you know, maybe some of us have grown up with, it's not just hard work anymore. And I think that is also a very important kind of mindset, like Sonia said, to unpack. Uh, you could go so deep on this topic because there's there's the other side of it where where an individual might not realize that their hard work is not as hard work as someone, a, 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 you know, a woman or a trans person of color, right? There's so many different levels that you could go just so deep on that in terms of, of where privilege comes from in, in our relationships with that. Maybe I went too deep there. No, not at all. I think one of the things that has kind of helped me keep engaged with my money and not be so like dismissive of being like, yep, I've got a plan now. Like I kind of know what I'm doing. I'm just going to let it do its thing. I still want like an active relationship with my finances and money because I feel like everything is an ongoing learning process. You don't get to a point in life where you're like, yep, I've nailed this. It's just another layer that you have to unpack. That was probably one of my biggest learns of last year. That acceptance of like, I'm going to constantly be learning. There's going to be new mistakes that I make. And in a few years, I'm going to be like, my gosh, I really wish I didn't do that. But I think at the end of the day, if you are values-based spending and you're spending like your time wisely, I think that's what would matter to me most when I'm older. Like as you're talking about like just experiences and then taking the plunge to like come to Australia for a year. Also, side note, it just reminded me of Eat, Pray, Love so bad. <laughs> like how she spends like a year just going from India to Bali to Italy. I After reading that, I was like, I want to do that. Obviously not with all the emotional mess that she was going through at the same time, but love her. Yeah, so with 
with a money mindset, I think it, it's really important to kind of focus on what your personal beliefs are uh, towards money and finance and actually unpacking that a bit. So, you know, like I guess Sonia said before about your family and growing up, what were some of the examples your parents had for you? You know, was it a lot of debt or savers, you know, and how is your relationship now with that money? That's something that I think is so important to dive deeper in. And then once you kind of like think about your relationship with money, it's also good to understand that why that we talked a little bit about. It's like, why, you know, if, if you're a spender, like, why are you a spender? Like, what is it that brings you happiness? Is it the items that you're getting? Is it how you're doing it? Because so much of money and the money mindset kind of space is all connected to emotional triggers. You know, where money is very, very emotional in so many ways, right? Like with the whole whole thing. And I, I can't remember exactly, but people feel much more emotional when they lose money as opposed to when they gain money. And so unpacking that and understanding what your relationship to that is probably a good place to start to dive into. If someone was listening at home and they were like, okay, this is awesome. Like I've got quite a few action points to take away, but what is like the first thing that I should do if I have never looked into money mindset, like I'm just a bit overwhelmed with investing and everything, what would be like first thing to do after someone listens to this podcast? Yeah. So I think I went through two different stages, I think, in terms of thinking about money for myself. When I was uh, younger, it was very much about budgeting and understanding my spending. I would I would get budgeting apps. I know that there's a whole bunch of them depending on where you're located, writing down your spending, things I used to do, which I think is probably difficult now in the time of COVID is buying things with cash. But I think the equivalent of that is literally writing things down. I remember that it was, I didn't want to buy a coffee because I didn't write, want to write it down in my book because you have such a different relationship with something when you have to actually take note of it as opposed to just swipe your card and and reading anything that kind of fits within that. And then as I as I kind of got more into investing and into kind of the fire movement, for me it was about it was less about cutting my costs and thinking about my spending, but more about potentially increasing my income as well or thinking about how my investments can also, you know, can grow over over time with compound interest and so so forth. So some of the resources there are also there's Facebook groups and podcasts that I found really helpful. For any expats out there, there's a book called Millionaire Expat by Andrew Helm. And I thought that was really helpful because there was just not a lot of people who were talking about what it's like living in another country and thinking about investing. He's actually Canadian as well. Those are kind of the two different areas, like first looking at spending and budgeting and and what you're spending your money on. And then the second part is like, how do you want to potentially increase your income and thinking about what you can do there as well? I just want to say, I love being in a reflective mindset. Like I love journaling and unpacking those things. I think one of the things to note, to kind of move on, if you are struggling with your money mindset is the understanding is really important, of course, like with your why, but also just writing down what you want your goals to be, like where you want your mindset to be, like what you want to accomplish over the next six months or the year. Cause I feel like sometimes when you look forward, you goal set that also helps with your mindset and just reframing your relationship with money more positively as well because you can like envision how your money can work for you and how it can enable you to do different things. Is that something that you do? Like do you goal set with your money? Yeah, absolutely. That was 
also something that I was thinking about. You said it so eloquently. I completely missed that. But yes, goals is a big one. And, and like I said, when I was younger, it was travel for me. And I didn't realize that I was even thinking about money in that type of way. But it was like anything that allowed me to reach my goal of travel. I'd, I'd pick up an extra shift because I knew it was towards my traveling. You know, I would not eat out with friends and suggest, you know, a picnic instead because it decreased the amount of money I would spend towards my travel budget. And that changes as I've gotten older. Now it's about, you know, potentially financial independence and retiring early. It's about generational wealth for my kid. It's about, you know, my, my why and my goals are very different. And so my relationship with money is also very different in that way. But I think, you know, you said it perfectly, like thinking about your goal, your why, your reason for doing the thing. It's not enough to just say, hey, I want to be rich because what do you actually want to do? What does that enable you to do when you're rich? Like what type of lifestyle or life do you want to have or experience? Are you the type of person that needs it to be like super visual? Like, would you write it down on a poster or you've got like a postcard of where you want to travel to and you always look at it when you wake up or are you quite, I guess, disciplined when, you, when you're going out with friends and your friends are like, hey, let's go out for a drink and you're like, hey, let's go on a picnic. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit of both. Being being an art student, I have like even in front of me right now, I have uh, colorful pens that I that I use to decorate my agenda to help me plan my goals and write my gratitude. But then on the other side is that discipline side is such a, was is or was is both uh, such a huge part of my personality as well. I think um, and it comes down to a couple different things. I think it's sports. It's this. I, I find so many similarities within the athletic side of things of trying to be disciplined and going to the gym and being athletic and eating well with your relationship with money. It's all a mind game. In a way, I, I refer to it as a mind game. I guess it's so hard to think about long-term investing like retirement. So what are the little things across the way that you can celebrate those milestones? And similarly, like when you go to the gym for the first time, you're not going to see a difference your first day, your first week, your first month. But like, what can you do in order to get you to that point. And it's all about showing up is, is really how, how I think about it, right? You show up for that practice and you show up for the gym. And same way, financially, you show up for yourself by holding yourself accountable by the end of the week or the end of the month to just check. Did I, did I actually sell as many things as I wanted to online to make additional money? Did I actually buy too many coffees this week? Whatever it might be. But all of that really does come down to discipline and just showing up for yourself every day, thinking of that long-term goal. Something I am curious about, talking about generational wealth, is there anything that you're like actively doing for your yeah, child? that's a great question. So my, my kiddo is two, so quite young in terms of trying to teach him anything about money at the moment. But I have started an investment account for him based on birthday money that he's gotten and, and just started from scratch from, from the beginning. So it is not in his name though. It is in my name because I also really believe in working and showing that you're mature enough instead of passing something over at 18 years old. So the goal is as he gets older to teach him about the value of money because I think valuing and understanding how hard it is to make and it's even harder to hold on to is something I really would like to instill in him. And then when he potentially gets to that point, 
where, you know, maybe he needs some support or help because I, I really want to um, instill those values instead of just giving a hand-me-down. There's there's learning for me along the way as he gets older, how to teach him some of those values. But I did definitely start with like just investing as little as possible because I know with compound interest, it's just time. You know, it's not, it's less about the amount of money, but just the time. And, you know, to like, if, if I started investing when I was two, oh, I wouldn't be working. You hear about all these different types of things that you can do. And I feel like in every money book, they talk about generational wealth in some aspect. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think it's really interesting, right? Because if you've read the, the what is it? The Millionaire Next Door, a lot of the people in that book were, you know, starting small businesses, immigrants, you know, working hard. But the challenge is, is that next generation, because similarly to, for example, my father who worked really hard and saved up all this stuff, it's really easy to spoil your kids and not teach them the same values because they didn't have to work for it. You know, it was, I got to go to trips to Croatia to go visit family. And I didn't really understand the sacrifices that were given up for my family for us to be able to do that. And so what I think about quite a bit is how do I teach teach my child those values without spoiling them, you know, because generational wealth, it does give you a step ahead. It does give you a bit of privilege. It does help. And we can see it with communities that didn't have generational wealth due to oppression, due to, you know, economics and so forth. So I think about that quite a bit without handing things over, you know, but it is, it is a different mentality as you become a parent, things I did not think about, you know, two years ago. It's hard. Like, I feel like life is just a constant battle of learning and unlearning. And you're like, what is the truth? Like every few months. <laughs> and it changes, right? Like the truth changes for you as well as you learn and unpack more things. You know, what's the saying? It's like, the more I know, the more I realize I don't know, you know? Before we let you go, thank you again so much for coming on here. I think there are so many amazing nuggets and steps that people can take because a lot of people do ask us, where do we start? What do I invest in? Like, you know, what brand should I choose? What company should I choose? And if we really want to do things right in terms of long-term wealth and generational wealth, I do think there's such an important part that your mindset plays into it. And I think there are so many different points and we could probably we could probably keep going for another hour or so. I think this is a good starting point to breaking down money mindset. And thank you so much for coming on here. We really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me. For Warsim and Sonia, follow us on Girls and Best on Instagram. Actually, we're girls that invest on literally all of our socials, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, you name it. And please go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Spotify podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. On a side note, how sexy do we sound with our new mics? We definitely heard your feedback about audio quality from all of our previous episodes. So it's all about that team, but we're good to go now. <laughs> and of course, before we go, we do have to finish off with our disclaimer. And that is Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is generally general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. Right, till next time team. Bye.